So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be starting in Ephesians chapter 3 and not instead of chapter 1. And here's why. The book of Ephesians is the only New Testament letter that Paul wrote that isn't about a problem. He, he writes the book of Ephesians to define what is the church and who is God and what has he done for us and then how are we supposed to live. There's a very simple outline of Ephesians. Uh, Watchman E wrote it years ago and it just stuck. Once I kind of got it, it's a three-part outline of the whole book. We sit, we walk, and we stand. So sit... Sitting in Christ, being in and accepting, receiving, living, all that he's done for us, that's chapters 1 through 3. Uh, there's a lot of prayer in that, and that's where we're going to go. When I come back from uh, next week, we're going to be together with Ortberg, and then the next week is my first time in chapter 1. We're going to look at seven, what I call them, rocket verbs. Seven things that Paul in a prayer says that God has done for us, and every one of us need to know that. So those seven verbs is where we're headed. So that's all the sitting in Christ. But then there's the walking, and that's where we start today. It starts in chapter 4, verse 1, and I'm going to kind of connect us there. That's what we're going to look at this morning, take it apart. And that goes into chapter 6, where then he says, now, stand against the evil one. And all that Satan wants to do to steal and kill and destroy the life that, that God wants us to have. And that's only a part of chapter 6. So three chapters of being in Christ, two and a half chapters of being walking, how we be in our context, the world we live in, and half a chapter of standing against the evil one. So if you've got uh, your Bibles, put them down. I want us to read together. Again, let's stand reading together God's Word in honor of it. We're going to start in chapter 3, the last two verses of 3, which is really his ending prayer of all that God's done for us, and then three verses where we transition into how do we live. And so here's God's Word. Let's read together. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. Father, we trust your Spirit to speak to us, to help us hear from you today. And we already thank you for what you've done. And we're trusting you to speak this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You all may be seated. Well, the dirty, the DK, I'm kind of learning the lingo around here, the dirty Kansas, is that how we say it? We drove in this morning, guess what? There's all kinds of vehicles with bikes on the back of them out there on the interstate going somewhere. We saw some tents set up. Uh, you all have been busy. And uh, then, I, it's a strong city. Wasn't that one? There's rodeo that was yesterday, maybe? 
just lots of life going on at the beginning of summer. Reminded me, reminds me, summer and beginnings, remind me of my second grade summer. Uh, I got to end school on a very bad note. Last day of school, good old Kurt Moss and I are playing cowboys and Indians on the merry-go-round. Now, we don't have merry-go-rounds today like we did back then, okay, back in the dark ages, you know. The earth had already been formed, but uh, it was still a long, long time ago. And I'm on the back of Kurt, and so I'm, I'm the cowboy, Kurt's my horse, and we're going around the merry-go-round, and he's hanging on real good, and I'm trying to catch Joe Newman and Craig Cooper, and they're in front of us, and well, as Kurt got going pretty fast, I fell off my horse, and my leg went right in that, between the back of the merry-go-round and the seat of the merry-go-round, and I fell down. Well... That was not good, because I broke my leg. Broke my leg on the very last day of school. I had Mr. Neal had to come out. They had to dig me out of the merry-go-round. That was kind of a mess, and I'm screaming my head off, and life's not very good, and I get taken to the hospital. And what happened to me is what I think Paul is wanting to do for all of us, okay? My leg is now disconnected. My leg is in such a bad way, they got to put me to sleep to realign it to get the two things back together. And guess what? Good old Doc Nguyen-Swander did it. Hey, it works. Uh, my leg got reunited. And so here's what I believe is at the very heart of the book of Ephesians. Is that all that we know and believe about God, we need it. We need to know him. He's got to show us who he is. He's got to tell us his character, his heart, his intention, and all that. And that's really easy sometimes for us to have that part of our lives. And then we just walk out of the door over here on Sunday at noon or 11.30, 10.30, whenever you're going to leave. And we go into another part of our world, which is our day-to-day life. How we live, what we do. And these two things are not connected And so what the book of Ephesians is all about is trying to set, trying to get us to grow, grow up or be be reunited with what we believe about God and how that affects how we live. And so to get to that, we don't start in chapter 1. We start where we're starting today, in chapter 4, because there's one word. And I'm going to get to that word, but there's one key word in the whole book of Ephesians that helps us understand that reuniting of who God is and what he's done and how we live our lives. And so, learning how to walk worthy is where we want to start. Walking worthy with all that he's done for us and how we're going to walk our lives getting those two reunited. That's what Paul's up to. And so as we look at today's passage, one more time we start with a therefore. If you look in chapter 4, verse 1, I I did my homework among several. I didn't count how many I looked at. But some translations start with I. Mine does. First word is I, but the next word is therefore. Some of your translations start with the word therefore. And remember what we do when we find a therefore we go back and we say, what's the therefore, therefore? And it's crystal clear this time, starting in verse 30 of chapter, no, not verse 30, verse 
20 of chapter 3, we get two verses that are why the therefore is therefore. Here's the summary. We read it together. I'm going to read it again. Here's what he says. In chapter 3, verse 20, he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or we think, according to the power at work within us, to that him, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. The therefore is therefore because of God's glory. As Paul has now written three long chapters, and wait till we get into chapter one, I mean, it's almost like every word. They're loaded with meaning of all that God has done for us. That mighty power at work within us is there for his glory. Now, church, let me tell you, some, one of the things that it gets hard for the guy up here is we use church words. Now, I'll bet you nobody this last week, nobody in your job, you know, maybe, maybe somebody, but very, very few of you, use the word the glory, the glory of something. That's a good church word. But I want to take that word apart. I want us to understand what that word means because it's a very, very good word. The word glory means, I wish I had this down here. It means pulling back the curtain. It means opening up. It means making known. It means taking us somewhere where we've never been before in understanding the goodness of God. And so, I don't know about you, when I first became a Christian, I kind of wondered about heaven. And I mentioned this already before, being with you. You know, is it going to be forever? Playing harps? I mean, I love this worship team. It was really good. You guys are good, but forever? Am I going to have to do this? What are we going to do? That's a long, long time. Well, heaven is the glory of God revealed for eternity. I mean, he's just said it. He said forever and ever, all that throughout all generations, God's glory is going to be revealed again and again and again and again and again and again. And guess what? It just keeps going forever and ever and ever. It is so deep you can't run out of it. That's what we have to look forward to, is getting to know the depth, the breadth, the height, the width of his love for us in the world. And I'll guarantee you, we're not going to be bored. It's, it's going to be good. And so, as Paul ends talking about all God done, here's the key part for me. He says, this one who is able to do. God is able. He's able to do whatever. I mean, he's the creator. He is the one. He's the redeemer. He's the one who's bringing purpose and meaning and fullness to every one of us in this room. He is the one and he is able to do it. And Paul says, my prayer is that he is going to get glory in the church. Yeah, church family, uh, sometimes I wish he wouldn't write, wrote that because that puts a little bit responsibility on us. Uh, you know, it'd be easy just to say, hey, just come to church, just come for this one hour, you know, hang out here for a little bit, get a little teaching, and then go enjoy life. Just go be a, walk out that door and go do your thing. Eh, that's not what Paul's telling us. 
As Paul spent three chapters telling all that God did, now he's saying, okay, what's going to happen is God wants through us the people, I mean, you all live around Emporia, you live here in town, you live, kind of, there's a little circle around here, and then you've got some strangers like me, I'm 60 miles away, i got a life that this afternoon, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be in my world, and he says, and God's prayer is that through us, the glory of God is made known. That means somebody can watch us, and the curtain gets pulled back, and they get to see more and more of what's God in you would transform the way we live. Now, church, we need that today. This world we live in just continues to get more and more broken. And it is, I mean, they don't know it, but they are desperate for what Paul is talking about right here. And that is that Christ in us, Christ in each one of you that have received him, embraced him, and started your walk with him, Christ in us will show a broken world a different life that's a better life. And so the therefore is therefore God's glory made known. And that is a good thing. And so to begin with today, we just start God's glory. But next, we get Paul's approach to life. Now, I've been talking to you about 2 Timothy. I probably wore it out, but it's just reality. Paul was in prison for his, the last time. He's going to be executed right then. Well, this is not that way. This is a prison letter. The poor guy's a jailbird. He's, he's locked up more than once. And this is a different time that he's been put in prison. And we get his approach to life in the very first words he says. He says, therefore... God's glory that is being revealed in the church and in Jesus Christ from this generation and every generation on. Therefore, for that, I, a prisoner, and look at that word there, I, a prisoner for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but every now and then, it gets easy for me to get to be in a pity party. I mean, the kind of door opens and I just wander in the pity party and enjoy being there a little bit. Because I think I'm a prisoner because. Paul didn't use that word. Paul used the word for. I'm a prisoner for what God is up to through, through a, a prisoner follower in him. I think every one of us in this room could write that sentence. And therefore, I am a teacher for the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a mother for. I'm a grand, I'm a babu for. Jesus Christ. And so Paul's perspective is he tells us reality right then on this day that he's writing this letter to the Ephesians. He says, I'm here for him. And I think that concept, we've got to embrace that. Life is not, is not a problem to get over. Life is an opportunity to discover Christ in you in this place today. And so Paul's just saying that right there. He says, I, I'm a prisoner for him, and I just want to challenge all of us. You know, he's not making a mistake, 12th Avenue. You know, he's been at work in this body for quite a while. He's been at work in your lives for quite a while. He's now some of you less than the rest of us, those of us here that, yeah, he's been with us a little bit longer, helping us become him in us. But that 
that challenge of seeing our lives as his in this setting, I think is a critical thing that Paul brings to us. That's his approach. He just starts right there. The sovereignty of God, of me here, him and me, and what I'm facing today. And then the next word he uses is one of my favorite words in the New I got a lot of them, but this is one of them. Favorite words in the New Testament. It's the word urge. I want to urge you. Now, I've told you a little bit about my life. I'm from western Kansas. Talk to farmers today. I'm a farm kid. Not a rancher. I wish we were ranchers. Uh, we always wanted more cattle than we had. But you know, there was a place where urging was real for me. And guess where it was in my world? It's the back end of the pickup truck. And if you'd go to Sigwin uh, with me as a little boy, you'd get to see Gene Dempy-Wolf, or you'd see Bill Patman, or you'd see Stan Winter and, my, and Frank Sapp sitting around at the back of pickup trucks. And you know what they're doing? They're urging one another. One of them's learned, I, I mean, this is reality. I remember when the sedan, the different kinds of uh, silage that we had, different varieties came out and did better in western Kansas with less rain. And I remember listening to my dad talk to Bill Patman while they're sitting on the back of the pickup truck, just leaning there, and they're talking about, I think, I think we'll do better if we plant this one instead of that one. That's urging that's not, there's two other kinds of words that take place in the church, and I'm doing one of them right now. It's called proclaiming, proclamation, preaching, and we, we get a lot of that. You can get on the internet, and you can find good preaching, you can turn on the radio and get it. There's good preaching. And the next word that we have in the Bible of what we do is we teach. So we preach and we teach, but the reason I like this third word, it's the word in Greek. Parakletos, or whatever in Greek, how you say it. It's the same name as John tells us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's a teacher. He comes alongside of us. He puts his arm around us while we're in life. And he says, I want you to remember this. I want you to understand that. Let's live life today. And that's the urging. And so Paul picks the word. He says, not that I want to teach you, not that I want to proclaim to you. He says, no, I want to urge. Now, I want to be on this word just a little bit because I think some of the best urgers are in this room. Grandmas, mamas. And I, I'm going to put you above grandpas and daddies because mamas and grandmas have got a real opportunity to come alongside the next generation and love on them and urge them and talk to them in ways that uh, this grandpa doesn't get to talk to my grandkids. As I watch that grandma talk to them, there's just something really special about urging children. And we need to teach them. We need to proclaim to them the truth, but we also need to keep that urging part. And so just touching that word of Paul's, Paul's approach to life. Paul's approach is that one, I am in Christ here in this context, and I am urging you. And so that's how he's now going to go to the next thing, and that's the challenge. As, as Paul works with us in his approach to life, he's going to bring us a challenge, and this is the word. I've told him, I've used several words. Now I'm to the word. It says, my challenge is that you walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. See that thing up there? 
that's a scale. Now, when we went to Zambia, almost every mama in the market had a scale. Not quite like that one, but it was a balanced scale. And so if I wanted a, a kilo, we bought everything in British. If I want a kilo of tomatoes, she's got this big old heavy lead weight that's got one kg on it, and she'd set it on that side, and she'd put her little tin bucket over here, and it balanced out, whatever, because I'm not going to have to pay for the tin bucket. But she would bring her tomatoes, and she'd put tomatoes in there until it was in balance. One kilo over here and one kilo over there, that's worthy. The tomatoes are worthy of the kilo weight. And so what Paul is telling us is, I want you to live in balance with all that God's done. We are to live that word worthy day after day after day. We're, we're, we don't get saved by doing this. Now, please do not make the mistake of thinking that your spiritual life, the way you have a relationship with God is to try to be good. You can't be good enough. I'll just tell you. You just can't be. One sin, he says, for all of us have sinned and fall short. The scale goes down and you can't. We're guilty of being sinful. But Paul says, no, what, what has happened is God has begun before the foundation of the earth was laid. He's begun to deal with all of us, of mankind in general, with each one of us individually, to bring us the goodness of him. And that's where the seven rocket verbs are going to come. He's going to bless us. He's going to choose us. He's going to predestine us. He's going to drench us. He's going to lavish on us. He's going to make it known, and he's going to tie it together. Those seven things are over on this side of the scale. And he says, John, church, I've done all this for you. Now I want you to live in a way that reflects that. We're going to live in balance. We're going to live worthy of everything he's done. So this is a whole lot more than memorizing something. This is a whole lot more than just coming in for a little bit. This is every part of our lives. As we get to know him better and better, then we, it changes how we respond. And that's the last thing I want us to talk about. Walking that walk. He calls, we walk. He does, we act. That's the balance part of it. And so look what Paul just nails it. He just starts in Ephesians 4, 2. He starts talking about how we're going to live our walk that impacts relationships. And so right after that, he says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. The first thing Paul says that you and I are going to do that begins to balance out everything he's done for us that he wants us to do over here is to bear with one another. And he tells us how to do it. He says, first of all, you're going to do it humbly. That means he's more important than you. That, you, that there is someone else in your life, whether it's God's presence in your life, your relationship with other people, but you are who you are because of God's activity. That humility that we have, it's not about me. It really is about what he's up to. And gentleness. You know, God can treat us with what we deserve, but he chooses not to. He's a very gentle, loving, 
heavenly Father. He's humble, he's gentle, and with patience, he bears us. He's, he's born every one of our sin. He took our sin that separated us from him. He took that, he bore that on the cross. But more than that, he, he's bearing where I make mistakes, where I don't interact with people correctly, where I'm still living, not totally sanctified, not totally in the spirit yet, but he gently walks beside me, bearing what I do as because he loves me. And he says, and I want you to do the very same thing. And so bearing with one another in love. Now, here's why I think the world needs to see this. First of all, the word is out there that we're a bunch of judgers. Now, what Paul just said, he took that away. You can't call the church a bunch of judgers because we've already been judged we are judged people we are sinful and separated from him but because of his goodness and kindness poured out on us we need to be in love dealing with people and bearing with people knowing there's truth I don't want to do take away with the truth no there's still what God says this is who he is and this is what he wants that is solid but he says, I want you to bear with one another in love as we grow towards him. That's the first thing he says. Here's how it's going to impact your relationships. If you're going to walk, live in balance with me, if you're going to walk worthy of all I've done for you, and you're going to walk worthy of it, you're going to bear with people in love. But then second one, verse 3. We're going to be eager. <laughs> now, why do you have to put that? Why did, why did he put that word in there? Can't he just say that, we, that we're going to maintain the unity of the Spirit? But he threw that word eager in there. Come on, Paul, give me a break. Because sometimes I'm not so eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. I want to be a part of the disunity. I want to get in here and get into it. And I want to be a part of what's going on. And, no, Paul says we're eager. Eager means I want to get it done today. And the unity of the Spirit, now, I haven't gone over this with my New Testament profs, and there's a number of you here that have got that kind of a background, but here's what I want to propose to us, that to say, to say to maintain the unity of the Spirit means that the Holy Spirit's job in all of our lives is to put into us the knowledge of Him and the unity that will come from every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation looking to him. And as we do that, guess what? We get some unity going on here because it's about him. It's not about the diversity of my language. It's not about the diversity of all this. But it's about the unity that we find in him that he's done all these things for every one of us. And that unifies us. Because you've experienced grace, I've experienced grace, I've received from him this, and that begins to unify us in a way that is very, very supernatural. Because there's going to be unity in diversity. Now, you're talking to a guy who knows diversity, I'll bet. Because let me just take you to the Luongo Game Park. I love the Luongo Game Park because... The giraffes, this shipwreck, they're going to be around, but these little giraffes may be a part of shipwrecked, I don't know. But this, the giraffes walk through the morning in the bush, and you just get to see those beautiful, graceful animals. But right over there in the river, 
is the hippo. <laughs> Huge diversity between a giraffe and a hippo. And God just did that. I mean, he just blessed us with the beauty of his diverse creation. But yet he says, I want harmony. I want maintain a spirit of unity in diversity. That's why I believe I can't wait to get to heaven. Uh, I've seen, we're going to have a missionary coming back here who works with Wycliffe. She's an ethnomusicologist. Well, if I can, I'm going to try to influence some things as your pastor. I'm going to try to get some diversity on this stage on that Sunday. I want to hear different languages. I want to hear different worship because I believe that's to God's glory. Because the diversity of languages, I think, is going to be in heaven. I think we're going to understand it. But my Swahili brothers and their music, I'm going to get to enjoy it the way they do. And they're going to get to enjoy mine. And we're going to see the diversity of God bringing glory to him. Because he and his grace have been in all those lives. And so, our walk impacts our relationships around us. First of all, that bearing with one another, that impact that we have on key relationships. And I want you to know, church family, I think it starts right there in the home. I mean, this morning, Priscilla and I had a very, very good discussion about bearing with one another, her having to bear with me, with my preferences and what I do. And we got, you know, I get to bear with you. That's right, dear. Just living that out, bearing with one another in love. That takes place all the time. And he wants to see us do that. And he, that's because we're living worthy. God did this. I must bear with one another out of joy, in love, and eagerly, eagerly maintaining the unity of the Spirit that comes from Him in that bond of peace. And so, first of all, God's glory. Our growing up. In summary, our growing up, first of all, is all about His glory. And the more we discover what that looks like and the joy that that will bring to our hearts as we see more and more of Him, that's a good thing. And so I just want to ask you, is that a part of your prayer life? Is that part of what you're, as you spend time alone with the Lord, as you come to, to 12th Avenue, as you're a part of ministry, is that something that you're looking forward to is discovering how He's showing Himself in his word, how he's showing himself in the lives of other people, is that something you're looking forward to? Secondly, our walk. Are we walking worthy? Are we discovering all that he's done for us and that, more than just being able to take a test and memorize it, is it having an impact on how I'm living today? And then finally, that that walk that I'm into impacts my personal relationships my characters lived out in the community in which I live. And so, remember how I started with my broken leg story? Good old Dr. Nunswander was able to get the two pieces put back together, and I can walk today. I think what God wants to do, what he's been doing, it's not something he's just going to start, he's been doing this for a long time in all of our lives, is helping us discover that who he is impacts how I live and getting those two put together for his glory. Let me ask you to stand. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. And then after I do that, I'm going to read 
a benediction, read a blessing for us as we go. So, as we think about the week before us, the activity and the event and the responsibilities that we carry, all that's going to be going on in this church with kids, let's just ask that God would show us how we can live in a way that is balanced with what he's done for us and that the knowledge of him changes who we are and how we relate. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we realize that uh, your plans for us are to give us a future and a hope. Your plans for us are to bring us life in all of its abundance and fullness. And we can't get that from anywhere else but from you. And Father, we thank you for this morning just getting to hear Paul's heart as a prisoner telling us that he wants to urge us to discover what it is to let your glory who you are, what you've done, impact how we live. And Father, we want to ask you to do that this week in our lives where we live for your glory. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. And so in closing my time with us this morning, I want to read what Paul said as a prayer back to him. So just listen to how Paul would say it, and then we'll be dismissed. So here's what, how Paul would pray for us today. He'd say, And now to you, the one who is able to do far more abundantly than all we've ever asked or all we ever think, according to your power which is at work, at work within us, to you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's his word for us today. Go be the church.